0: Welcome to Episode 7 of the RMD Podcast from Reverse Mortgage Daily. I'm Chris Clough, Editor of RMD. In this episode, we sat down with Chris Mayer, the CEO of Longbridge Financial, to talk about how his experience in academia ultimately led him into a primary leadership position at a top 10 reverse mortgage lender. Our conversation with Chris touches on other topics as well, including his perspectives on the current potential future status of the reverse mortgage industry, the need he saw in the market for Longbridge's new platinum line of credit product, some lessons American lenders may be able to take from reverse mortgages in other countries, and more. Hope you enjoy it. Chris, thank you so much for being a guest on the RMD podcast. I really
1: appreciate it. Well, Chris, I'm really honored uh, that you asked me. I'm very uh, happy to be uh, talking with everybody today.
0: Of course, yeah. It's, it's, it's great to get a perspective from a leader in the industry. It's something that we live for here. So thanks for joining us. Let's start off with a bit of an introduction, just for the benefit of the few people who may not totally know who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the reverse mortgage
1: industry. Sure. So I have an unusual background for uh, people who are uh, kind of in this business. I've spent most of my career as a professor. I have a PhD in economics from MIT, um, worked for the Federal Reserve for a few years, and believe it or not, in 1994, did my first research on reverse mortgages, only five years after the HACM program was set up as a uh, trial program. And at the time, when I looked at the retirement gap and reverse mortgages. I thought, oh, gee, this is a product that really has a lot of legs, and I expected. You know, in fact, I wrote a paper which suggested there should be a strong market for this product, and I expected, you know, reverse mortgages to take off. And then I kind of went on with my career. I uh, left the Fed and went on to uh, Columbia and have been, you know, at Columbia other than a few years where I taught at Wharton have been at Columbia for a little over 20 years now. So my kind of background is very much a traditional, that of a traditional professor. But that said, I've always started doing, being involved with companies on the outside. I spent time with a hedge fund that was kind of heavily short the real estate, the REIT Industry just going into the crisis. But starting in 2012, I had a group of people that were looking to start a company on reverse mortgages that reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in participating. And I was originally involved in the startup of Longbridge, this was a group that came out of New York Life. And was originally involved as kind of chief credit officer and as an advisor, but I got so interested in the business over time that I, uh, when the founding CEO left, I eventually took over um, as CEO of what was a nascent company at that time, uh, Longbridge.
0: That's that's really interesting. So just out of curiosity, d- uh, coming from a primarily academic background, what's the transition like when you move more into the private sector? Is that disruptive just in terms of your outlook in, in conducting your business?
1: Well, I will sort of say I had a job for a while. I spent three years as uh, dean of the faculty in the business school, and in that role, you have... You know, you you have a lot of faculty that could sort of nominally report in, but actually faculty really are kind of doing their own thing. So it's a very different, you know, being in academic administration is very, very different than running a company in lots of ways, including the sense that you don't have a large, you know, university bureaucracy that you have to manage. There are pluses and minuses of having people behind you. As a startup, you kind of have to do everything yourself. And that's, you know, kind of a major, uh, a major change from operating in a university environment where there are people who, you know, provide lots of support. And, you know, obviously the motivations are very different for why people are doing what they're doing. And so for me, one of the things I think is really exciting about being both in the private sector and at a reverse mortgage company is the sense that a lot of the people in this business are very much mission-driven, which is to say they want to help seniors, they want to help people have a, you know, a better retirement, and Mm -hmm. that sense of wanting to help people directly as opposed to do research on projects or you know teaching in the classroom is a very different kind of motivation.
0: Sure. Very understandable. How did you first find yourself approaching the topic of reverse mortgages ahead of that first paper that you had written? In terms of your academic career, when you like prior to the point that you wrote that first paper on reverse mortgages what was it about that initial exposure that stuck with you for so long
1: so to me the idea of reverse mortgages i was writing that in the context of understanding the role of housing in savings for americans And when I looked at, you know, when I was looking at the balance sheet for households, it became pretty clear how important housing was in people's wealth. And, you know, it may seem like we're kind of worried about the baby boomers retiring now and the the growth of the elderly population. But even, you know, back in the mid-1990s, that was still an issue that people were dealing with. Life expectancies were growing and more people were starting to be concerned about the movement from retirement plans to find benefit to defined contribution. Obviously, in the intervening years, that has continued to be something that has gotten more and more traction, and it's something we haven't done a lot to fix. So in a sense, the same issues that I took on in the mid-1990s working on you know, reverse mortgages are the same issues that we have today. It's just that the scale of the challenges today are larger than they were mm-hmm. at that time
0: sure absolutely in terms of your position with longbridge i don't know how often people get to have sort of a direct perspective on what it's like to be in that kind of a position what are some problems that you've had to deal with as the head of a major reverse mortgage company that people might not expect
1: so if you look at the you know major companies today you know we were founded, you know, back in 2012 and literally started from the ground up. And so in that sense, when you're, you know, really building and running a startup company, which is what we were, you have to do pretty much everything. And so in that sense, you're responsible for making sure that, you know, you're able to get licensed and get products, get fingerprinted, and uh, have been fingerprinted many, many times. Had to walk into the, uh, at one point, to get fingerprinted at one of the uh, precincts in New York City where I live and came out with blue ink all over my hands because the precinct didn't have a working bathroom for people who are not incarcerated, which luckily I was not wearing a white shirt and suit because I was then on my way to meet with a group of potential investors, and so I'm sitting here with ink dripping, you know, having people look at me like, God, was this guy just arrested? What did he do? Anyway, it's a, it's you know, you're you're doing everything in a startup, so I have to meet with investors. I have to make sure that what we're doing makes sense, and you know, somebody who comes from you know, a university background, although I was a principal in a hedge fund for a number of years, you have to worry about you know, important things like compliance mm-hmm. that, you know, are extremely relevant for a company in the mortgage business. And so you have to learn real quickly how to do things and how to do things in the right way.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Definitely. Well, uh, of course, you know, Longbridge offers home equity conversion mortgage products, but a lot of the conversation recently in the reverse mortgage industry at large is about proprietary products, private products, non-governmental products, whatever you'd like to call them. And uh, of course, one of the big recent stories to come out of your company was the launch of a new proprietary reverse mortgage product under the platinum line that features a line of credit. Tell me more about the philosophy of introducing that and how do you expect it'll be used by borrowers? Have you seen any early data or is it too close to the initial announcement to make that kind of a determination?
1: Sure, so let me first talk, you know, you had asked about kind of the linkage between being a professor and being somebody who studies the mortgage industry and, you know, somebody who is in the business. And one of the things that is really exciting about running a company is that when you're in the academic world, you can look in something and say, here's a solution to a problem. And in our case, it was trying to understand what is the need for seniors today in terms of the kinds of loans and credit that they're interested in. And as somebody who has long studied securitization and credit markets and the role of different institutions in that system, you then have the opportunity to try and actually build a product and bring that product to market. And I would say that the the perspective of an academic, which is to look at data and try and understand what people's needs are is something that turned out to be really valuable in thinking about and bringing to market our platinum line of credit product. So it's a product I'm very proud of, and it's a product that took a lot of work because what we've tried to do is to solve a problem, and not by telling seniors this is what you should do, but looking at what they're actually doing. And so we know that for every person that has an outstanding HACM, almost 11 have an outstanding HELOC of people in this demographic. So what we've tried to do is look and say, what are people getting today? How are they, what is meeting their needs and can we build a better mousetrap? Can we build a line of credit product that really meets the needs of seniors and brings with them advantages that a HELOC doesn't? And so we think that the line of credit product, and I will say the response has just been incredible, from both our retail team and the wholesale um, clients as well of people wanting to put this product to bring it to their customers, the response to this is you know is seemingly yeah this is you know this almost seems like kind of an obvious product. Mm-hmm. And for us, this was not about looking at what is in the market today. This is about asking the question: What should be in the market? What should we offer seniors to help them choose and make good decisions and have an appropriate product? So that's how we ended up with the line of credit. And if you think about what a senior is doing when they take out a HELOC, they're really taking out a loan where they have to make payments, interest-only payments, typically for 10 years. But then after 10 years, for the next 15 or 20, they actually, the loan rolls into a fully amortizing mortgage. So you're 68, you take out a HELOC. At age 78, after making interest-only payments, now your payments could double or more because you have to pay down that loan at an accelerating period of time. And of course, it doesn't make much sense for somebody to do that, because where they may have been working at age sixty-eight, by age seventy-eight, the odds they're working are quite low, and so their ability to refinance that loan into another HELOC or to take out another product very tough at that point. So mm-hmm. we really designed the product based on what people need in the uh, you know in the marketplace. Mm-hmm.
0: Excellent. Well, we'll be very interested to see how that performs going forward and what Long, Longbridge will share about, uh, the way that it's being used. I think we'll, we'll all be keeping an eye on that.
1: Um, great. You know, and as I said, we're we're really looking at that, and our goal is—I think everybody's goal is—in this market—is to try and grow the size of the pie, rather than doing me-too products of you know this is what somebody else has done, and this is, in fact, what I think has been really exciting in the industry in the last year year and a half is that as people have started building their own products and bringing them to market, the idea is how can we expand the size of the market and expand the pie, rather than just competing with the same product for the same. Customers, where really all that you're doing is just you know fighting against each other, as opposed to really our common goal, which is putting seniors into the most appropriate product they can take, which for I think most seniors really is a reverse mortgage.
0: Sure, excellent. Well, uh, speaking a little further about proprietary products, and given the um, the enormous data repository that is your brain. Do you think that the day will come for proprietary products like the Platinum to eclipse the Heckam, or do you see the industry winds maybe moving in a different direction altogether?
1: I actually, I hope and expect that the private market will eventually be larger than the Heckam market. I think, you know, and I think we should start with the fact that I think the HECM is a wonderful program and is a program that serves customers and taxpayers extremely well. That said, I think there are opportunities to design products and to manage those products on the back end in ways that offer advantages and that are things that in the private sector we can do that are harder for the government to make changes to, you know, it's just harder for, you know, it's harder for the government to do things very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, everybody on the FHA side, they've been amazingly supportive in terms of the changes they've made in the market to try and create a product that works. But in the private sector, we're able to move a little more quickly and we're able to design products that meet the needs of customers and so I do think as we have a lot of investor demand for our products we are going to be able to grow the private market create hybrid products and other things that are going to be you know get to market more quickly mm-hmm. than the government can do and to serve broader audiences that expand the number of people who are willing to do a hack you know, you know, just to one example, the, the upfront cost of a HACM is pretty high with the 2% initial mortgage insurance premium. Mm-hmm. And that's something where, you know, we can design around that, adjust rates and terms and other things that allow somebody to get into a, a you know a private loan less expensively, mm-hmm. um, at least less expensive from an upfront cost perspective than they can with a HACM. And for some borrowers, that's a really important concern. So it's just an example of the kind of things we can do that expand the market beyond the hack-em. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. Well, uh, I, I wanted to see if I could get uh, a perspective from you, too, because I know that in years past, there have been conversations about the idea that the name reverse mortgage is somehow tainted, or at least before there were a lot of significant pushes from some of the bigger companies to further educate borrowers. And it seems like that kind of a discussion has now pivoted to the perspective on proprietary products. Do you think proprietary products should be called proprietary products just in terms of making a connection with the borrower? Or is there something else to find that might make that connection a little bit more solid in the minds of prospective clients.
1: So we don't ever talk to customers about proprietary reverse mortgages. Of course, we talk about platinum loans. With sure. Them. So from our perspective, we definitely think that what matters to consumers is not a description but a brand and that consumers really you know, ultimately care about what the product is. I will take your question in a maybe a slightly different direction or the you know, the direction you're intended in terms of the word reverse mortgage because of course that term is one that I think has to some people a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. If you look around the world, people refer to you know, equity release, they refer to home reversion products, lifetime mortgages. There are other terms that are used. However, from a compliance perspective and given The sense that if you, no matter what you call it, at some point consumers are going to ask you, isn't this just a reverse mortgage? For at Mm -hmm. least many of the products we're developing. I think, you know, what we're really trying to do is focus consumers not on the name, but on what the product does. Sure. And I think if we can do that, then you've really effectively pivoted the conversation to operate on the grounds that are really most important for the consumer, which is what are their needs and how can we help solve their needs? Mm-hmm. That to me is the most important thing in terms of you know what you're labeling and how you're talking to your clients.
0: Absolutely. Right. Thank you for taking that and running with it in that direction. I find mm-hmm. that really interesting. Well, Further on the topic of product education, how far do you think that the industry has come in educating people about the potential for reverse mortgage products to make a difference in their lives? By that same token, how far do you think it still has to go?
1: Look, I think we have a long way to go in terms of how we're educating consumers. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're starting from, you know, it's not like we're starting from an even position. We're starting from, you know, a period where people still have perceptions about the product that are really unfortunate and unfair. They don't reflect the design of the current product, which has protections, you know, on the Heckam side for non-borrowing spouses that has protections for, you know, non-recourse provision and we now have underwriting so there are all sorts of things that have changed with the product to improve the product and mm-hmm. we're fighting a reputation from our past and we're fighting a name that sounds you know reverse mortgage reverse of what it you know it's it's a bit of a challenge so we have a lot of education to go, to do and mm-hmm. i think you're seeing You know, and we'll see some of the work we do supporting the LLC product really to be focused on education and marketing to consumers to help them better understand what the offering is. And I think you're seeing some of the other companies in the space take different attempts at the same goal. So I think we all understand that it's really important to kind of, I don't want to say rebrand, but to positively brand the market and the industry, and also to help consumers focus on the product itself. Mm -hmm. And I think as we build more products, give people more choices, all those things are going to go in the direction of helping people better understand the choices they have. And that is, I think, from a marketing perspective, the most important thing sure definitely
0: well i always like to ask this question of a leader of a company whenever i have the chance and feel free to take this in any direction that you want to whether it's marketing whether it's some of the day-to-day operations that you have to oversee but for you what is the best part about being in the reverse mortgage industry
1: There are two things. The first is I'm proud to be working with people at Longbridge and people in the industry who really care about the retirement of older Americans. And I Mm -hmm. think the misperceptions aside, this is really a great industry with wonderful people, and I feel honored to be working with a team of people and in an industry where there are so many people who care about what is a really important problem, which is the retirement of our you know, nation's elderly. And for me personally, the second thing is that last part, which is this is an opportunity to have a meaningful influence on how people live the rest of their lives. And for me as a professor, you know, the things that are really rewarding are teaching people and having them go out into the world to, you know, to pursue careers and to be successful and, you know, to really do the kind of things they want to do. You know, running a reverse mortgage company allows that in scale, which is we can have, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, you know, eventually hundreds of thousands of customers who can live better lives as a result of what our company does and the products that we bring to them. And so for me, the most rewarding thing about the business is working with other great people and to trying to build and grow a market that allows our nation's elderly to have the best possible retirement they can and to use their resources in a way that really meets whatever their goals are, so allows them to do the things they want to do in retirement. Mm -hmm. So that's what's rewarding to me.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm going to ask you to complete a sentence for me. I'm going to trail off and feel free to fill it in with whatever you want to fill it in with. The biggest opportunity for the reverse mortgage industry right now is...
1: To develop new products to meet the needs of our clients
0: perfect excellent and lastly do you have a perspective on what you see the industry looking like in five years or do you think that real change will happen in a different amount of time maybe less maybe more
1: sure i think in five years the biggest change is we will see some larger institutions come back into this space Hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily predicting that it's going to be a specific bank or insurance company or pension fund, but I do think we're going to see larger institutions come into the market and start to be meaningful players. And the place I'd point to is actually the United Kingdom where for a long time, you know, by the way, they have no such thing as a -a as they have no government-insured products, but all of the products in the U.K. are privately funded, predominantly through insurance companies and pension funds. Mm -hmm. And so in that market, it looked kind of like our market in the sense that there were smaller companies, you know, smaller relative to big brands who pushed the market up to a point and as the market started to get size and scale, you saw the entry of larger institutional players with a brand start to come into the market. And I still think that's in, you know, what I would call probably the middle stages, the early middle stages of the market, certainly relative to the US, we're in the early, early stages Mm -hmm. of things. But I do think we're going to see more brand name companies come in and recognize that this is an important clientele. And really, they need to try and bring products to their clients that allow them to better retire. And so that's my prediction.
0: Excellent. Kind of by that same token, since you brought up the UK, I know that uh, coming out of Nashville, there were a lot of people that were talking about the presentation made by Home Equity Bank in Canada. And uh, there's also no government product or government insured product in Canada. Do you think we have anything to learn from that market?
1: I mean, look. I thought the uh, presentation by Home Equity Bank was very interesting. They have a different take on marketing than the companies that we have here. Frankly, you know, I think I, like others, found their ads both humorous and empowering for seniors. And the idea of creating products that they've offered and I I don't think from a product perspective what they're offering is really very different than what they have here it's really the marketing and branding I think they've had great success and have seen real growth in that market it's been going at it for a long time and they you know my sense is that if you ran some of their products in the u s you know some of their ads in the u s unfortunately or fortunately, they would have a lot more legal ease that they would need to put in those ads sure. relative to what they're able to use in Canada. so I think they bring from a marketing perspective, they have some advantages rather relative to what could be offered here, but the idea of a bank offering you know, a product on its balance sheet, I think is very attractive. And certainly we're seeing innovation outside of the U.S. that we're also now seeing in the U.S.
0: Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, Chris Mayer, CEO of Longbridge Financial, thank you so much for joining me on the RMD podcast. I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Great. Well, Chris, thank you so much. And, you know, I just wanted to thank you and uh, the team at RMD for all the work that you do in supporting our industry and in, you know, trying to bring the best information uh, out to the marketplace. So thank you.
0: Thank you. We really appreciate that, especially from you. Much obliged. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks for listening to Episode 7 of the RMD Podcast. Again, a very special thanks to Chris Mayer at Longbridge for being so generous with his time. For more news and insights on the reverse mortgage industry, be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at ReverseMortgageDaily.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to the RMD Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast content. I'm Chris Clough, and this has been a production of Aging Media Network in Chicago, Illinois. See you next time.